Yeah, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. God, we think about today and the, the events today of a Super Bowl and it's a, a football game and all of this stuff and all this goes around it and millions and millions and millions of people's eyes will be on this thing tonight. But it pales in comparison to who you are. It pales in comparison to what you've done for us. God, it makes me think of that day that will come. You promise it will come. That someday you will return. And when you return, every knee will bow. And every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. There won't be anybody not watching the game. Everybody's eyes will be on you and will be acknowledging that you are God. So God, today as we open your word... Look to what it has to say to us. And as we consider who you are, God, we almost want to get a jump on that day. And as we start to warm our hearts to thinking about who you are and how we can know you. Lord, when that day comes, Lord, we want to be ready and say, ah. I confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, that you are God the Father, and that we're getting prepared for that now. So Lord, thank you for the opportunity. I pray that you would be speaking into each person's life here, starting with mine today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Alright, so last week Brad kicked off our series. You can see we're calling the series Know the Father and... The title last week, his title was, We Can Know God. Anybody remember that? Uh, there were some key takeaways from that. I just wanted to sort of go over again. The first one, which is really kind of what undergirds our whole series, is that Jesus himself said, yes, you can know God. You can know God. And Brad talked about two things, two ways we could know God. One is through the truth. The truth tells us who God is. And the second is through relationship. As we experience relationship with God, we can come to know him. Do you guys remember Brad gave us some homework last week? How did that go? How many of you asked God for understanding about the truth? You don't have to raise your hand. I won't put you in the spot. I'm not keeping gold stars on you here. And then did you take steps to seek God fervently this week? Brad encouraged us to do that. Now, today we're going to move on, <clears throat> as he sort of alluded to last week, and each of these weeks here as we go forward, I think until we get to our sort of Easter series, we're going to be looking at one aspect of God, of how we can know God. And so today you can see I called this series, He is Unlimited, but I almost kind of wanted to just be contrary So last week Brad called it, We Can Know God, and I kind of almost wanted to make today's message be we can't know God. <laughs> Just to be contrary. So you know me, know I can be like that sometimes. Because in some sense, this, we can know God, is actually an impossible task. It is impossible for us to know God. Now, I totally agree, and I'm there. We can know God. We can know him through truth. We can know him through relationship. It's really neat. And I love the verse Brad gave us last week. He pointed to us, Acts 17. 
God made from one man every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth, having determined allotted periods and the boundaries of their dwelling place, that they should seek God and perhaps feel their way toward him and find him. Yet he is actually not far from each one of us. If God is not far from each one of us, then he can be known. And yet, it's also impossible to truly know God because he is unlimited. He has no limit. He has no boundaries. And that's what we're going to talk about today. I want to start with a couple of quotes. First is from this famous guy, Augustine. And he said, If you understand, it's not God you understand. Isn't that true? If you understand, it's not God you understand. In other words, how can I, an in, a finite being, know and understand something that is infinite? And the answer is, I can't. I can't. I've been reading a book recently by this guy, Peter Scazzaro, this book, Emotionally Healthy Spirituality. I find that it's, it's been helpful in some things, of helping me think about emotions and, and dealing with things. And he's, he said this, and it sort of leapt off the page at me as I was thinking about and preparing for the series. He says, God is not an object I can determine, master, possess, or command. Most of the time, we have no idea what God is doing. Most of the time, we have no idea what God is doing. So when I approach the idea of, you know, oh, I'm going to know the Father, when I approach that idea, I've got to be realistic, don't I? Because I can't know him completely. I can't really get my hands around him. There's this guy, you've probably seen him before, C.S. Lewis. In Mere Christianity, he said, as long as you are proud, you cannot know God. As long as you are proud, you cannot know God. See, we need to humble ourselves. We have to come to God in humility. Because without humility, we can't even learn the smallest thing about God. Now, when we think about all this, we go, okay, yeah, so God, he's really big, and he's infinite, and he's unlimited, and it makes it really hard for me to know him. We can make an error. And one of those errors we could make is to say, wow, in the face of God's unknowability, it is, there is no God. So it is an error for us to say that. There is no God. And I'll tell you why it's not an error. Because we can say, well, I can't know God. So if I can't know God, then I can't know truth. So if I can't know truth, then there must not be a universal truth. So I'm just going to make up my own truth. That's a pretty prevalent view in our culture, isn't it? Uh, recently, my wife and I have been watching a specific show um, you know, for entertainment and relaxing at the end of the day. One of the characters in this show was talking about how she used to kind of act and behave one way, and now she sort of acts and behaves another way. And this other character was kind of asking her, well, why? Why are, you, why are you doing Why do that? What was the shift? And she said, well, I realized that this other thing was my truth. And I just wanted to live my truth. And I realized I have a son, and I want my son to be able to live his truth. This is a very clear thing that was said in the show. And we hear these kind of things all the time, don't we? And the problem with that is, it's utterly illogical, isn't it? It's utterly illogical to say, well, you have your truth, and I have my truth, and she has her truth. Because there's no good solution for resolving disagreements when those truth views overlap, is there? There's no good way. Well, I say that's true. Well, I say that's not. I say this other thing is true. And I say it's not. So who's the winner? 
winner is probably the one who shoots first, the one who vandalizes your property or gets you fired or whatever it is that's going to happen. Fortunately for us, though God is unknowable, the unknowable God has revealed enough of himself so that there can be order in the universe and order in our lives. I think part of the problem when it comes to knowing God is that we want God to be knowable, kind of in the way like we want to know what we're eating. I'll put this slide up here. I don't know if any of you experienced this at your house. This has come to my home. Containers for portion control so that we can know what it is exactly we eat. And I think it probably seems like a good system. And you know, you get the fruits and the one, and the vegetables and the other, and proteins and so on and so forth. And it kind of tells you these are your containers and this is what you get for the day. And we kind of want to know what these things are. And sometimes we think about God this way and we say, well, God, God has these qualities. And so I want to be able to sort of isolate and examine them. And I want to be able to put God's qualities in this one little container. And then the next week I want to sort of look at this other one and put it in this next container. And then the next one and so on and so forth. But we're going to see as we go forward in this series that that's a really difficult thing to do. Because God is not contained by containers. And so we're going to find as we go through here that, oh, you're going to talk about God being limitlessness, limitless. But that's going to blend a lot with God being loving and God being wise and so on and so forth. So in spite of this, today we're still going to start. We're not going to say, oh, it just fits in a container. But we're just going to look at God being unlimited. Because God being unlimited is what's really, in some ways, going to cover over everything. So today as we look at him being unlimited, let's look at just four aspects. You know, he's unlimited. There's probably an unlimited number of aspects of how God is unlimited. But today we're just going to look at four aspects of that. And so the first one we're going to look at is infinity. If someone is limitless, they are infinity. When we say God is infinite, we say that God is without measure. And that can be a little bit of a difficult concept for us to grasp, right? Because in some ways we could think of, say, like our hair, the hair on our head. Ah, the hairs on my head, it's immeasurable. I, can't, I don't know how many hairs I have. I don't know how many hairs Daryl has on his head or comparing to anybody else here, right? We don't know. We can't measure that ourselves. And yet, it actually is measurable, right? Because it is a, a finite thing. But we're not talking about God in that same way. When we say that God is unmeasurable, we mean he really is unmeasurable. He is infinite. He is infinite. A helpful way that for me for thinking about this... Um, because I like art and I like colors, is the color wheel. I don't know how many of you learned um, when you were, ever took any art classes or in elementary school or whatever that about the colors. And, you know, you got the primary colors, the red and the yellow and the blue. And you're like, oh, yeah. And then you mix the two. You can kind of see it here, right? Like blue and yellow make green, right? And it mixes to these colors. But the older we get and the more we've got computers and all the stuff, that we realize the color wheel is not these little segments. It's really this. And when you look at this, you go, there's actually an infinite number of colors on this color wheel. And frankly, when we really understand, you know, spectrum and stuff, there's all this stuff we can't see that's outside of these two. We go, well, there's an infinite number of things. And I like to think about God that way is that we can't ever parcel them down. And say, okay, we'll just get him into these little pieces. He's just infinite. Because anytime you break it down further, there's more to him. And then sometimes we want to look at infinity, maybe through the lens of logic. 
we go, okay, everything exists. And we know one of those principles of the universe is that for anything to happen, it has to have a cause. Nothing just sort of is there. There's a cause to it, right? And so if there's a cause, then we understand that God, if he's infinite, he is the first cause. And so in that sense, we say, yeah, well, God created the universe. And yet he didn't create the universe and him be separate from it. He created the universe and he is part of the universe. That takes some pondering. And that's part of the point today. As we look at some of these things, I go, well, I can't just, again, summarize it all and put a little container for you. These are things to get you to start thinking about and praying about and as you consider who God is as you go through the week. So if God is immeasurable, we mean he's immeasurable in all of his qualities. He's immeasurable in wisdom. He's immeasurable in love and so on and so forth. And so we can say that God is not selectively infinite. You can see a picture here of the Flash. I'm not sure how many people watch the Flash or have seen the Flash. It's not really my thing, but I know about it. My kids have watched some of it and they talk about it. And so the idea with this guy, and this is sort of, he's sort of indicative of superheroes, is he's got this superpower. And his superpower is he can run really fast. Right? And you go, wow, he's like really fast. In some ways, he's kind of infinite about being fast. He's fast enough to outrun anything. I was like walking by the TV, my kids are watching. He was like running faster than the speed of sound. And I was like, wow. But we also have to recognize that it doesn't really work. Right? Because if he's fast enough to run that fast, he has to be fast enough to think that fast. So he doesn't run into the walls. And what happens when he gets to a door? He has to be fast enough to get to the door and turn the handle and keep moving. And he has to do all the things he does, right? You go, that's sort of a problem with super super comic people is that they have this selective infinity where they're like really strong at this thing, but you go, well, you kind of need all these other things. But God is not that way. God is not selectively infinite. He is infinite in all. All of his characters and qualities. So when we think about God this way, it makes sense. And when it makes sense, we think back to God as he shows himself to Moses. And he has this conversation with Moses. In chapter 3, verses 13 and 14, Moses says to God, if I come to the people of Israel, right? God said, it's time to take the Israelites out of Egypt. And he goes, okay, if I come to the people of Israel and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask me, what is his name? What shall I say to them? This is what God says to Moses. He says, I am who I am. Say this to the people of Israel. I am has sent me to you. I am. You know, there's no scenario imaginable where I am isn't true. Think about that. Because God is infinite. Everywhere God is. I am is always a perfect description of God. So that's a lot to ponder there about infinity, and I'm sure you could spend a bunch of time as you pray and you think about it. Learn more. So that's my encouragement to you, is this week, ponder on God's infinity as you're thinking through this. Second aspect of God being unlimited we're going to talk about today is God's power. We can define power as the capacity to direct or influence behavior or the course of events. The capacity to direct or influence behavior or the course of events. So we can describe God as omnipotent, which just means all-powerful. Ever hear someone say that? You go, what is that big word? That's what it means. It just means all-powerful. God is all-powerful. 
which means God has the power to do anything he wills. Here's some verses. First one, pretty clear. Job 36, 22 and 23. God's power is unlimited, period. He needs no teachers to guide or correct him. We see in this, God has a power to act. He has a power to act. He has the power to do. I love that about teachers there. See, God, he doesn't need to go check in with anybody. He doesn't need to go get permission to act. He doesn't need to go run down the street to Home Depot and get a bunch of tools so he can do the job he needs to do. He's got it. It's all there. He has the power. He has the power to act. No lack of capacity is going to keep God from taking action. Another verse, Colossians chapter 1, verses 15 to 17, says, He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. Talking about Jesus. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him, and he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. Note that use of the word all, all creation, all things. In this case, we see that God's power is a power that contains there's a power that holds things together, that holds it all in place. It's kind of like a soup. A nice little picture of a soup here. There's no ingredients that are outside the soup. It's all there, and God's like the pot, and he's holding it together. He's the giant pot that holds everything in it. Nothing is lacking. His power contains all things required. And so with power, we also have to remember there are things that God won't do. God has that power, but he won't do it. Remember, we said power is to do anything he wills. But we know that God is good, and because God is good, it's against his will to do something that's bad. Right? Quotes like this from John MacArthur have really helped me. He says, God can do anything according to his infinite ability, but will only do those things that are consistent with himself. That's why he can't lie, tolerate sin, or save impenitent sinners. God is good. He will only do what is good. We also have to remember this, that being all-powerful means we don't control God. We have no control over God. None. See, if I could sit here and go, all right, God, do this. God, I want you to do this thing. I need this thing. I believe to do this thing. Do this thing. If God went and did that simply because I said he should, or simply because I had faith, or I was a really nice guy, then that would mean God no longer has that power. He's subject to me. He's subject to me. I would have power over him. And this is a massive problem a massive problem with many professing Christians today. They say things like this. Speak it into existence. Oh, just speak it. You just have enough faith. You can speak it into existence. Just have enough faith and you can have whatever you want. If you don't have what you want, then you don't have enough faith. And we hear this a lot. The problem is, if these statements, statements like this, speak it into existence, if this is true, it means God doesn't have all power. It means some of us, some people, whoever they are, have power over God. And so therefore, statements like this are false. If you ever hear that, just say, nope, false. Because it's false. 
That's God's power. It's unlimited. So let's move on to the next one. I want to encourage you. Think about God's power this week and how it's infinite and unlimited. Next point is strength. Strength. Strength we can just define as the ability to withstand great force or great pressure. The ability to withstand great force or great pressure. And God has unlimited strength. That means there is nothing that will move, nothing that will shake, nothing that will crush, nothing that will defeat God. Nothing. And so part of the deal in understanding God's strength is we kind of have to recognize our own weakness to understand God's strength. Here's a verse, Psalm 84, 5. You, speaking to God, you bless all who depend on you for their strength. Now, not to be morbid, but I'd like you to spend a second here and think. Think about an awful hardship. Something that's really terrible that's happened to you. Maybe it's happening to you right now. Maybe it's something that's happened in the past. Not because I want you to dwell on that or, you know, to be challenged. I know. Just thinking, we've all had hard things, hard trials, difficult things in our life. And I guarantee that that thing has moved you. Or it's shaken you. Or it's wounded you. Somehow it has shaped you. But it hasn't changed God. It hasn't moved God because God has unlimited strength. He has unlimited ability to withstand those forces. Nothing has ever had that kind of effect on God. Nothing has ever moved or shaken or crushed or defeated him. So think about that. His own son goes to the cross and dies. You know, convicted with the sham of a trial, not guilty, lives a sinless life and is executed. That didn't change God. That didn't shake him. That didn't crush him. The angels rebelled and Satan fell from heaven and God's own kingdom, it seemed to split up. That didn't change God. It didn't shake him. He had the power to withstand it. Helps us understand this verse maybe a little bit better. 1 Corinthians 12, 8 to 10, Paul says, he's talking about this challenge that he's had in his life. He says, three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. But he said to me, God said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then, I'm content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. So this is a famous passage, right? We've all heard this passage. We've all probably quoted this passage before. And there are a number of different good ways to look at this. One way would be, it's a, it's a statement about the nature of God, isn't it? God allows trials. He allows problems. He allows challenges, those hardships we have. He's allowed those. And he's going to get the glory from it. Another way we can think about this is prayer. We go, wow, God wants us to pray and talk to him, but he doesn't always answer our prayers according to our preferences. We can also look at this passage in light of peace and say, wow, God is with me in the midst of my suffering. Those are all good ways to look at this passage. And I think it's interesting when we think about this, one thing that's always struck me is Paul says, my weakness. And we go, well, what was his weakness? And he describes it as a thorn in the flesh. And he never tells us what it is. He never tells us what it is. And so my contention is we don't know what Paul's weakness is, and that's on purpose. Because if we knew what it was, we would try to be containing God and saying, well, God's strength is sufficient for what Paul's weakness was. 
But he's saying, no, God's strength is sufficient for any of our weaknesses, any of our challenges, any of our trials. This passage only makes sense if God's strength is unlimited. Because if it was limited, then we'd be like, well, this maybe applies to some things, but not all things. There's a huge difference between God God can't and God won't. So that's some thoughts on strength. And again, I encourage you, think about God's strength this week and how it's unlimited, how there's no boundaries to it. Finally, the last aspect we're going to look at today is place. Place, we just simply mean location. God is infinite in location, so we'd say God is omnipresent. Ever hear that fancy word? Now you know what it means. It means he's everywhere. He's at all places at all times. All places at all times. It's hard to get your head around. I love this verse in Matthew 18, 20, where two or three are gathered in my name, there I, God speaking, am among them. So you might read this verse, someone might read this verse and say, see, look, God's not everywhere at all times. He only says, well, two or three have to be gathered in his name. That's the only place he's going to be there. If it's not two or three gathered in his name, then he's not going to be there. I go, well, that would be one way of looking at it. But I would also say, look at that verse. He doesn't say, unless two or three are gathered in my name. He's not saying only in that situation. He's saying, hey, when that happens, I am there, by the way. It doesn't exclude the point that he's with us at all times. I think the point of this verse is he's saying, hey, fellowship and unity is honoring to God. I think that that's what that's saying. The second thing is we can read this verse for really how amazing it is. Instead of trying to put limits on God, we can say, wow, look, any possible place where two or three people could be gathered together in God's name, guess what? He's there. Wow, that's pretty much anywhere. Okay, we'd have to have the right sort of conditions for life and, you know, you'd have to have oxygen in outer space or whatever, but God will be there with us. People can be gathered together anywhere. And that means God is there. Of course, we're going to talk about this passage in Psalm 139, verses 7 to 12. The author says, where shall I go from your spirit or where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me and the light about me be night, even the darkness is not dark to you, God. The night is bright as the day, for darkness is as light with you. Can you see it? We can't be apart from the pleasant, from the presence, from the place that God is. God is with us. He is everywhere, in all places, at all times. And so this week, I would encourage you, think about God being omnipresent, that he's with you. You can't hide in the dark of the night when you're lying alone in bed and you can't sleep like I was last night. He's with you. He's with you. So here's a final suggestion for you. You want to understand God? I think understanding God and God being unlimited flows directly from when we can accept our own limits. Go back to that quote from C.S. Lewis, as long as you're proud, you cannot know God. We need to humble ourselves because we can't learn even the smallest thing. 
if we're proud. This idea of learning things about God by accepting our own limits. This weekend I was in a coffee shop with my wife, or this week we were, and there were these little like sort of energy bars, and I think these energy bars, were, they're just sort of indicative of our world, right? So many things, so many products are defined by what they are not. Like it said no, and then there was this whole list of things, and it was like no GMOs, and no nuts, and no dairy, and no animals, and no fun. I don't know what it was, right? No, 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 no. But it defined what that thing was by saying what it wasn't. And I think we, in the same way in our lives, can say, I can see what God is by recognizing what I am not. So if we go back to these things, we can say, I'm not infinite, right? I'm not, I was born, and I'm going to die, and I'm going to die relatively, relatively soon in the grand scheme of things. But not God. God is infinite. God has no beginning, and God has no end. Wow, he's different from me. I am not powerful. There is very little I can control, very little I can command. I can't even get my kids to do the things I want them to do. I can't even get myself to do the things I wanted to do, but not God. God controls and commands everything. I am not strong. I am not strong. The slightest word, the smallest comment, the lightest breeze is going to knock me over. But not God. Not God. God is always strong. God is always unmoved. And this is kind of obvious. I'm not everywhere. <laughs> God is everywhere. I am not everywhere. I can spread myself really thin. But at some point, there's times, and it happened to me even this week, where it was like, there are two things I need to be doing, and I can't do them both, and I have to pick one or the other. And you probably have that same thing happen every day. Because you cannot be everywhere, and I cannot be everywhere. But God is everywhere. He is everywhere you are, and everywhere I am. And so many of us are going to come upon times and seasons in our life where we get angry with God, right? I have those seasons. Like, oh, I'm really upset at God. God, why won't you do this? Why can't I have that? Why won't you fix this problem? Why won't you manipulate this situation? Why is there this suffering, God? You ever say that? I say that, and I think it's okay. I think it's okay to wrestle that out. I think it's okay for us to have those feelings as a starting point for growing in faith. I really think it's okay. And I'm really sure that God is not offended. He's not offended that us, as his finite creation, have a really hard time grasping his infinite nature. I don't think he's offended by that. I think he's okay with that, and he wants us to wrestle through that. And so let me leave you with this final thought. I think that almost all of our problems with God, when we're like, God, why won't you do that? Why won't you intervene? Why can't you do that? All of our problems result from limiting God. When we try to take God, we try to put him into those little red and blue and green containers and say, God, you're not fitting in here. You're not fitting into my containers. And when we do that, we're denying that God is unlimited. So Brad gave you some homework last week. And so I'll give you a little bit of homework this week too. Maybe we'll just do homework every week. 
We all want homework, right? First, I want you to ask God for a greater understanding of his unlimited nature. As you're spending time, as you, as you wake up, as you go to sleep, as you go about your business, as you sit in quiet before the Lord, as you read the Bible, as you're talking with friends, as you're driving down the road, yeah, turn off the radio and say, God, can you help me understand how you're unlimited? I know I can't really know you because you're unlimited, but I'm just your little finite creation. Can you help me understand more about you? And then to echo what Brad said last week, let's take steps to seek God fervently. Let's take steps to seek to know him. Let's grow together seeing God as that, contain, as that creator who cannot be contained. I'll pray and we'll close our time here. Yeah, God, even as I prepare for a message like this that I think about these things that I'm trying to put my heart and my mind to it. God, I'm really kind of blown away and terrified by the fact that I can't put boundaries around you. I can't put boxes around you. I can't put you into the containers and say, this is God and this is how he is because God, you are unlimited. You are infinite. You are unbounded. God, I recognize that so many of my problems and challenges come because I can't accept that. I can't understand that. I want to put you into those containers where you won't fit. God, please help us this week. Help us to grow in knowing you as we think about these things, as we think about how you have no limits. We declare to you this morning that we love you, Lord, and we thank you for the truth. The truth of the matter is that each one of us is sinful and broken and separated from you. And the only way we get right through you is because you sent Jesus Christ to earth to die in our place, to offer us the free gift of salvation. That if we receive that free gift... We can be right with you and we can walk into an eternal relationship with you going forward. God, we do. We look forward to the day where we will see you clearly. As Apostle Paul says, I see now dimly as if through a veil, Lord. And we feel that way, God. And someday it's going to be taken off and we're going to stand before you. We're going to kneel before you and our tongues will confess that you are Lord and we will see more clearly your limitlessness. In the meantime, Lord, help us to grow. Help us to understand. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.